Oh, it's Monday, Christian. It's so fucking Monday. It's so Monday. <laughs> Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Like we said, today is Monday, May 18th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how this damn pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and our ideas and, of course, scenario how we're going to get back to work. We've been scenarioing this to death for the past mm-hmm. nine weeks. Email us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo on your smartphone and send it to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, colleagues, family, everyone you know. We want these stories to be heard. Now more than ever, they're important because we, you know, we're entering a new phase of this pandemic and how it affects us is changing every day. Yeah. It's the back to work phase, I guess. I mean, that's what it looks like across the country right now. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Which is, you know, I was thinking in the shower this morning, it's like. You showered? (laughs) I do. (laughs) No, you showered today. That's nice. I did. Nice. I always shower before we record. It makes me feel like. Every day. Professional. You shower every day. Awesome. There's been a couple weeks that I've skipped a day here and there. And when I'm in the desert, not as often. Right. It feels like vacation. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I I was thinking this morning that uh, a lot of the auto manufacturer plants are going back to work today. And, you know, a a lot of stuff. uh, Joshua Tree National Park opened yesterday. Oh, wow. A lot of things are kind of coming back online this week, which is interesting, though, because nothing's really changed. Nothing has really changed. And I've noticed that but several all, companies coming back. Mm-hmm, several companies mm-hmm. like Surreal and Coyote, like there's several companies that I've gotten emails from of how they're yeah. going to open. And today I know Surreal is open. Yes. So um, but for what? That's what I, yeah. I mean. Like, is it stage shooting? Is it uh, because locations technically get they're not permit. getting a permit. But if you're yeah. tell me more, if you're on private property. What does that mean? Yeah, in theory, private property, you do not need a film permit. So maybe that's how they're making stuff work. Uh, I don't know. And they're also, you know, they're also renting gear. So maybe they're renting gear going out of town, put it in a truck, go to Arizona. Okay. Yeah. And I I heard an interesting story from a vendor in New York last night who shall remain nameless that they still have gear out Uh and productions have been contacting them weekly to say, you know, we need to return the gear and they're like, I don't have any staff to accept it. I don't know what, you know, you're sending over here. I don't, you know, alone it would take the owner a week to check in what they're talking about versus I think that when things finally do relax enough by the government, we're going to see an onslaught of things happening. Yeah. Because everybody's lined up right now to do it. But what's the saying? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing (laughs) with the same conditions and expecting a different result. Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Ouch, that hurt. Ouch, that hurt. (laughs) Um, Christian, today we... I don't know why it keeps happening. (laughs) Today we have another one of our crew safety roundtables. Yes, we have the heads of departments on this one, which is, I think, a very interesting take. It is. Today we have Jordan Levy, uh, DP, mostly commercials, but does some live shows and TV shows and such like that. Noel McCarthy, who is a production designer, again, majority commercials. And David Chapman, first AD, who David's on the East Coast. The other two guests are on the West Coast. And David is a first AD, been doing it for a long time, handles, you know, Boston area, but certainly New York as well. And... It's a very interesting take because of the discussions they've been having with their people. So stick around for that. We're going to get to it, actually. But first, Christian, how are you doing? It's Monday, week 10. What is this? I don't know. I don't know. I've lost track. It's been two months. Do we keep counting or do we just stop at this point? Well, uh, tensions are at an interesting place right now with people wanting to get back to work, not receiving anything. I have news that I, out of the blue this morning, got an email from the New York State Labor Board saying that I was approved. Yay. Now, this is for unemployment. Unemployment. And I have been trying for, since the beginning of 
April, I was finally able to get in and submit my first claim, the beginning of April, Mm -hmm. and have been calling ever since. I had somebody over the weekend give me a tip about um, what she did. She called the governor's office in Albany here in New York at 9 Mm a.m. when they opened. And you get through to somebody right away and you explain your situation. And then that person sends you directly to somebody in the unemployment office and you skip the line. Wow. And she said she did it. It worked. She got approved. And everybody that she's told to do it has worked. Oh, my gosh. I know. So in our show notes today, we'll put in the governor's office in Albany's direct line. And mm-hmm. you just have to be persistent. You may hold as long as two hours, but oh, I can say right now that I've tried calling 50 to 80 times a day, every day. Oh, and then geez. and then it became every other day because there's only so much you can yeah. try. And I yeah. figured eventually I would get a letter or something and lo and behold, nobody called to go through mm-hmm. anything. It was mm-hmm. literally just, you know, an email that says you've been approved. And then I got a text that says I've been approved and to look Whoa. for something in the mail to let me know how much I'll get. Interesting. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you because yeah. it's a big And that's he- a it's a good tip too, that workaround. Yeah. And so if anybody out there tries it, please let us know how that goes. You know, we want to hear any tips that you may have received as well in order or how you got through if you tried a different way, because it really is um, there are people still who have not heard a word and applied nine, 10 weeks ago at this point. Yeah. It's a big deal. So other than that, um, I'm feeling okay. I did some gardening over the weekend, got everything into a good place in the garden And now just waiting to see how long it's going to take to open up because technically we're phase four in New York. So I know that you guys have phases. You're in phase Uh one and we're in phase one. We're in phase two. Oh, you're in phase two. So we're still in phase one, I believe. And Mm -hmm. entertainment or filming is phase four. Ah, okay. Which is basically, you know, vaccine. Vaccine, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And so the TV shows and movies, whatever, are just going to go to a state that's open, yeah. is what I think. Yeah. 100%. It's up to SAG at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm still trying to figure out. Is SAG going to be our SAG, monitor? <laughs> is SAG going to be our monitor? How's that working? So I don't know if every, every, all our listeners heard, but SAG put out something on either late Thursday or Friday morning that said no SAG actors allowed to take work unless they call it in a SAG. SAG approves whether it is a safe set or not mm-hmm. and approved for you to take the job. I'd really l- love to know what their criteria is for love what. Love to know what their criteria is. And then I think what we learned is that it might not apply to commercials. Somebody in our Producers Happy Hour Facebook yes. group mm-hmm. posted that what they learned is it doesn't apply to commercials. I don't have enough to really to vouch for that. Mm-hmm. But hopefully we, we can find out soon. Well, it'd be interesting to find out whether or not commercials are included or aren't because yeah. that will get a lot of people working sooner. I would just love to understand more about what their guidelines are of what makes a set safe. And does every production company who does a bunch of jobs a year have to get every job approved through SAG? Yeah. yeah. Or is it? Agencies, because... Or the agency, because they're the ones that are signatory. Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of questions. Hopefully, we can get some clarification on that soon. Cross our fingers. uh, Yeah, so, let's get to our roundtable, shall we? I would love to. (laughs) First, go to our website, producershappyhour.com. On there is a page called Take Action. Tons of information on there, things you can do to volunteer, to donate, or get assistance if you need help yourself. So Jordan Levy is a versatile cinematographer that has been represented for over 20 years in television, commercial, and music videos. Born in New York, he entered the industry assisting some of the most influential and iconic directors and cameramen such as Harry Savitas, Samuel Bayer, and Tony Kay. You can see a mixture of all their influences in his work and is called upon for his expertise in a wide range of specialty areas from lifestyle to fashion to comedy and visual effects. Noel McCarthy has been a commercial production designer for the past 15 years after working two years for Disney in Asia. 
He graduated from Savannah College of Art and Design, which I had considered pretty heavily when I was in high school. Yeah, it's it's a pretty notable school. Yeah. And works for some of the biggest commercial production companies in the U.S., such as Arts and Science, Epoch, Biscuit, Imperial Woodpecker, and Corner Shop. And lastly but not least, David Chapman is a New York-based first assistant director, often works in also L.A. and New England. He's been a DGA AD on films, televisions, and commercials for more than 20 years. His credits include national spots for pharmaceuticals, cell phone carriers, airlines, mattress companies, and his film work includes Lifetime and Hallmark Christmas movies, Super Trooper 2, The Polka King, and the U.S. portion of the upcoming Kevin Hart film, Fatherhood. Let's take a listen. Let's start off by going around the table and introducing ourselves and what we do. I'm Jordan Levy. I'm a cinematographer, mainly in the commercial world for most of my career, probably about 25, 26 years in the business. And I have worked with both of those guys as producers. And um, that's about it. Now I'm home. (laughs) <laughs> where's home where's home oh los angeles mount washington east la nice no so i'm noel mccarthy i'm a commercial production designer for the last 15 years 23 years in the business mm-hmm. and uh coming to you live from highland park oh yeah you're right down the street from me yeah. now howdy neighbor hi <laughs> i'm David Chapman. I'm a, a first AD usually. Occasionally I will still second for friends and, uh, and if I'm bored. I spend most of my time in New Jersey near New York City, but I'm currently, and I often work in uh, New England. My family and I are from here. And I also have a place in Baldwin Hills in Los Angeles and work uh, out there quite a bit. Nice. Nice. Well, may I also say that everyone looks very much like the part that they play, too. (laughs) What are you trying to say? (laughs) I didn't try to say anything. I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. You know, we had you guys all together because this is kind of a department heads roundtable because a lot of the, the crew that support you guys, you know, have different functions. So we wanted to hear from you guys collectively. So we'll start going around the table again. Our first question is, if you got a call for a job today with no other alterations to our normal practice except masks and gloves might be there for you to use, would you take that job? We'll start with Jordan. I guess it really depends on who it's with and what's going on. Right now, our union isn't really approving us doing any jobs, so... I don't know if you guys know that SAG after put out a thing today. No. Oh yeah. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. They're not going to allow any of their members sign waivers of liability. You know, it's what the job is and who to comp- if I trust the company enough or if they would listen to like the AD and the grips and everyone on safety precautions and depends what the job is, a tabletop job, stage job, mm-hmm. controlled mm-hmm. environment, people you know and trust. I mean, yeah, I'd take that job. So it depends on where the job's coming from. Yeah. I think trust is the biggest thing. You know, as probably these guys do, we get a lot of jobs. Uh, Probably know a lot with commercials. A lot of miscellaneous jobs come from nowhere to people we don't know. (laughs) Most of the time, they're good people. It's just going to be hard to uh, have an instant trust of, you know, how the set's going to be run. Noel, what about you? Uh, I don't think I'd go back until everybody's working from the same document. That is a very good point. There are so many documents. Everyone has so one. Yeah, many everyone has them and with varying degrees of detail. Yeah. A lot of things certainly glossed over. But I, I, think, I think it has to be a very detailed plan and everyone has to sign off on it. And it needs to be 100% participation or I probably wouldn't not be too keen on being a part of it. David? Like Jordan, a lot of this would depend on the scale and the scope and the size of the job. Just as an aside, I'm wondering, and I I don't know this for sure, the SAG document that came out yesterday, late yesterday, I have a suspicion that it was in response to a commercial that got shot in the French Quarter yesterday with a a second-line band and a Steadicam, which was briefly on the Internet. Apparently, it was a Harry Connick Jr. spot about 
tourism reopening in New Orleans. And <laughs> about four hours later, that DAG document was the first time I saw it. I, it, I may be awesome. completely wrong. It's a good theory, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, right. Everyone has theories. I'm not quite sure how good it is. But um, <laughs> like what Noel said, it would be great if we were all working off of a similar document. I would probably go and do, I do a number of commercials in New England. If somebody wanted to shoot in the backyard of a house and it was something simple and we could distance ourselves and we could wear masks, I think I probably would take that job. Like the IA, the Directors Guild is not uh, letting us sign any waivers Mm -hmm. in regards to our health or anything like that. Um, But I would check with them and if they were okay with me doing it. There are commercials being shot. Yes. Somebody just shot an AT&T job, Mm -hmm. which I'm guessing was a full union job. They're not getting permits, though. I mean, no. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering how these are happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, they're certainly not getting permits in Los Angeles. Yeah. But I don't know where they're shooting, and it's entirely possible in the jurisdictions they are shooting, they're either getting permits or permits aren't required. I mean, you know, we've probably all been on jobs where permits came in after the fact or something like that. Um, but again, like these guys, uh, there would have to be a lot of conditions for me to take work right now. Okay. Yeah, I can attest to calling around a little bit, knowing that um, Austin, Texas is not issuing permits. Maplewood, New Jersey is not issuing permits. However, Florida, Iowa, there's a few places that are just whatever. (laughs) Like, come on in. (laughs) There are some methodologies of shooting, obviously very small, that don't Don't require require a permit, Mm -hmm. right? There are also jobs that are being done remotely with ADs and with directors and with directors of photography and with uh, production designers, you know, where there, I was on a, a Zoom call that re- what was about the TV episode that shot, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the show. It's the one with the judge that just shot a complete remote yeah. episode. Uh-huh. I forget the name too, but yeah, we, we talked about it on the show. And, you know, they had all of their crew basically worked on it, except really the grips and electrics. Their DP lit the set using remote capabilities. It was sort of interesting. I had to finish a Netflix show remotely. We had uh, four pickup days that wound up being two remote days. We had ADs. We had same exactly what you just said, everyone except for the talent with their own lighting crew. And I've done also a commercial that was more of a Zoom home video right. concept, which is, you're going to get tired of that because it's, we are. there's a lot of them happening. <laughs> Already are. <laughs> Already yeah. are. Um, yep. I'm so I think those are now going to be few and far between, but they happened right away. Of course. The calls for the jobs that I'm getting right now are supposed to air in June and July, and it's hard to predict what we're going to look like in June or July, but it's certainly, the Zoom has been Zoomed out. (laughs) You know, that concept. (laughs) Here's another one for you. Like in understanding how we're all professionals, we've been around for a long time. We know how to do it safely, but unfortunately there are people out there, different producers maybe who may be asking you to get into a situation that may or may not be as safe as you would prefer. How do you feel about asking your crew in that situation to come along with you as well. People are desperate for money right now, especially grip and electrics because of what we just discussed. I know because I've been on several of those round tables in a different situation and listening to it, just especially in the New York area, just breaks my heart because they'll basically, you know, people are pretty desperate right now. Do you take the job so you can support your crew and then look out for their safety? Or do you, pass on the job because ethically you don't want to put anybody in a position that they shouldn't be in. Jordan? I mean, I would make the decision myself first, and then I would ask them if they would, if, what the circumstances were. For me, trusting the company and saying yes to something, mm-hmm. my crew... Goes a long way. You would normally, they would trust me that I'm going to be doing the safe thing. And mm-hmm. I've never really been in the position of having to put people's lives at risk um, <laughs> to take a job. So neither have we. Neither have we. It would be a discussion that I would have to have with all my crew and see how we all felt about a job. If it 
if it was a job that um, we even thought would be possible to right. do. As a DP, there's a lot of jobs we do that are small tabletop things, miniatures. I mean, right. there's tour visuals. There's, there's so many different types of jobs. It's not always a big set. Yeah. And no. Again, I, I I'm not taking any jobs until <laughs> right <laughs> until everybody until everybody's got the. I mean, luckily I'm blessed to be in a fine situation. I can have take three more months off and be okay. So I'm, I'm not rushing back. I just I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, I'm already hearing from crew about dicey jobs that sound so are we. pretty intense yeah. and awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go any, anywhere near that. Being in charge of safety, David, as you are on set, you are taking on a lot of additional responsibility, just not for the people that you hire. It's for everybody there, right? Yeah. I mean, I can answer this in two ways. Assuming all the conditions are met and I was going to accept a job, the first part of your question was regarding my own staff. I wouldn't have a whole lot of issue with it because I think an AD and a PA staff can socially distance and wear masks fairly easily. I think it would be very difficult for a makeup and a hair department or a stylist Mm -hmm. and an art department to do that. I think even camera can socially distance, you know, the DP can move away from the camera or the operator can move away when the AC is putting the lens on and the second AC doesn't have to carry the lens and hand it to the first AC. They could bring the case and then step away and and I think the AD staff and the PA staff could do that as well. I worry more about art departments and set dressers and costume yeah. and makeup and hair. And just in terms of my own personal department, I wouldn't have an issue with it. it like Noel said, we all need to be on the same page. And I think probably that entails a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other thing is in you know a more art department specific, but I think it actually applies to most departments, you know, we're reliant on thousands of vendors and, it, yeah. you know, every, every, Absolutely. every department, honestly, it's not just the set is a bubble. It's the whole industry is pretty integrated into the rest of the town. So it's, it's a little more complicated, which is why I'm hoping we actually do just, you know, wait a beat to see where this is going before we jump back into it. Well, essentially, SAG is telling us we have to, so. Right. Yeah. If your union job. Right. David? One of the other things I'd say about safety, uh, especially in terms of the assistant director's role, I mean, everybody understands it isn't our job to know how to operate a scissor lift or to know how to operate a condor or to bend our knees before we lift a couch. It's just our job to make sure that, in general, those procedures are followed. So I don't know anything about stunt rigging. I assume right. that the producers hire a stunt rigger who is qualified. And I will have those conversations with the producer before the show. But COVID is a whole different thing. You know, there is a training class regarding bloodborne viruses, which we can take. But COVID seems to be something more insidious than that. There's a, a separate issue, which is I believe that the producers are moving away from having a first AD be responsible for set safety. I think in the next few years that may change. But as we move forward with this, I'd love to see one set medic on every set for every 20 people. This isn't what you're talking about now, but if we're going to be doing temperature checks, which really just tell you whether you have a temperature, right. you know, waste of time. Uh, Waste of time. (laughs) I mean, for me, having talked to a bunch of virologists and epidemiologists in the last month, it sounds like the most effective thing is masks. They don't even recommend gloves because you cross-contaminate everything. And apparently the most dangerous time for a a medical professional when wearing gloves is taking them off. Mm -hmm. Because you instantly contaminate your skin unless you do it right. And none of us are going to take the time to study that and know that. Right. Maybe on a feature where we could do a six-hour course on it, but on a commercial? Yeah, it would be great if all the unions had some sort of safety class that everyone right. has to pass before they come back to work. And it is unified, so they do get that kind of training. But let's talk about testing. You know, there's been a lot of talk of getting tested before taking a job. There's questions about privacy. If there was a job, Jordan, that wanted you to take some kind of test, 
as a condition of getting the job, would you be willing to do that? Yeah. I mean, during these times, I would be completely open to taking a test. I would hope it's really hard to trust every single person that's new on the set. I would hope that it would be a mandate that, and not days before, I think, arriving to set. I, there may be a, a whole new department created here where it's uh, either a sanitation department or mm-hmm. yeah. a, a czar. Monitor. You know, yeah. A monitor that has a small crew that has the testing capabilities and is also walking around saying, get your mask on, your six feet, you know. And sanitizing yeah. too. Sanitizing. Like bathrooms. What, like- what I learned recently, I never knew because I came mostly through commercials, is that Union Craft Service, their job in TV shows and films is, is cleanup. I mean, commercials are PA. Come on. So we had this back and forth in the forum. That was new to me, but as I see it now, I don't want the same person cooking and cleaning, <laughs> cleaning for COVID. And then- yeah, that's a very old studio system yeah. construct. Craft Service was uh, initially attached to the grip department as a cleanup mm-hmm. service. It was not a food <laughs> department. You know, yeah, it so wasn't it was, a food department. Yeah. It was, a, it was a craft service guy that was debating it with me, and I had a lot of commercial producers yeah. start backing me up saying, no, 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 PAs clean up. I'm like, well, I don't want you cleaning for COVID or viruses or disinfecting and then serving me a smoothie. Okay. <laughs> at the same time, we can't have the lowest paid person on the set be in charge of sanitizing and testing. And, you know, it's like it should be a service. No, no. What, no. What do you think about testing? Would you be willing to take a test to get a job? Yeah, which is also goes back to what I've been saying about this being. I think we're months away from working on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Until testing is really prevalent in this country, forget the film business. The whole economy is really whole- not going <laughs> to be getting back in order until you know there are literally hundreds of millions of tests and continual testing and. Which is, you know, why I'm not super optimistic we're going to be working anytime soon. Because it seems that yeah. all seems quite far off. It does. David, what do you think? Testing? Yeah, I mean, I would take a test. I, one of the things no one, I think, has brought up yet, though, is the accuracy of the test. Yeah, One exactly. of the... So I'm, I participate in a 200-person Zoom call every week that is not affiliated with my guild, but is only guild members. And every week we've had a virologist or an epidemiologist or emergency room doctor speak on basically on the topic. And one of the things that has come up is that a lot of the tests that are false negatives are because apparently this is a super uncomfortable test where they stick the mm-hmm. swab up, up yeah. deep into your nostril. And I can just imagine, and my mother was a, an AIDS research nurse mm. at the uh, beginning of the AIDS wow. epidemic. And I can just imagine a nurse or a physician's assistant injuring someone and then being gun shy on the next five or six patients and not going into the place they need to go to get the proper culture and having a whole series of false negatives. So none of that surprises me. I think we need, like Noel said, accurate and pervasive testing uh, before we'll all feel, at least, I don't mean to speak for you, Noel, but before I'll feel really comfortable going back. Yes, I received the test, the antibody test via blood draw. The fact that I didn't don't have antibodies shocks the shit out of me right now. And I know that they're only 85% accurate. So I think that there'll be a lot of precautions in place, but nothing will ever be 100% until we have a vaccine, which vaccines aren't 100% either. The other thing that has come up in that group is uh, the doctors have talked about antibodies. And right now there is absolutely no consensus whether having antibodies will give you Mm -hmm. a day's worth of immunity, a month's worth of immunity. Lifetime immunity, and you know, I think we're just at the beginning of this. I I think it's it's one of a number of issues that is why there needs to be so much more clarity before we really are going to all feel safe. And you know, the the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot in the last couple days is, let's say you do a two or three day job, and on day two or day three, the day Mm -hmm. after you're finished shooting, you find out somebody has tested positive. Does that then put that whole crew into quarantine for two weeks. I mean, that's what we're being told is the is the protocol from certainly county health officials. It's like, does one person getting sick knock that 
you know, that company out for two weeks. I was on a job for a very large company with a rodent as a mascot that was shooting in Boston. Uh, <laughs> we shut down midday on Thursday, the 12th of March. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of our drivers passed away from the disease, the oh virus, about a month later. And there was no communication from production or the studio, which not surprising. Uh, sort of upset wow. me. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising. And apparently no one else got sick, but no one. Now, I self-quarantined alone. You know, I was fortunate to be able to go to a, mm-hmm. a home that was completely empty and stay there literally for 15 days. Most people don't have that ability. You know, I don't have kids, yeah. but I was disappointed that a studio in the studio system, they hadn't reached out to tell us. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels a little, I'm no judgment here. It does feel a little irresponsible because I don't want my set to be the one like two weeks from now we've figured out has three different people who got sick and then passed on from there. Because whether it be our fault for negligence or not, because again, nothing's 100%. So that scares the shit out of me. And I would always call everybody because of I mean, right now people are gun shy with waivers and such about liability, but nobody's signing them. I'm sure you guys wouldn't sign them. So we won't ask that question. You know what I mean? And then to your point, Noel, I would assume there would have to be something in place because if you had to stop production halfway through, everybody's been confirmed and they would need to get paid for their quarantine even. And I know that no insurance companies are covering this right now. So contingencies need to be built into budgets, which I don't <laughs> know that we're there yet either. And yeah. so, and so, yeah. So Jordan, um, I guess my next question is, and it would be scheduling, right? So once we start to begin this, we, we have a lot of theories around right now, but you know, the needing to have the tech scout a day or two before the shoot is out of the question. We think it needs to happen at least a week in advance so that we all get our ducks in a row and then the equipment houses can pull the equipment, sanitize, whatever they need to do. We also think that there needs to be some sort of possibly backup crew holding that get paid maybe 50% of their rate to hold, you know, that kind of thing. But pre-lights always art department in four days in advance, all kinds of stuff just to make it happen. I mean, what do you think about timings? I personally like, I mean, I don't have a, a big family or kids or anything. So I'm, I'm for the quarantining before a shoot. It's going to work better, much better with TV shows and films. If, you can, if you're all going to a town, you're all quarantining at the hotel for two weeks. And during right. that time, I can be prepping, the actors can be rehearsing, like we're all together and all that happens simultaneously. I mean, it only works though if like, there's no exceptions. It's not like this executive can come and go and be with their kids or this client or this actor because they're a star and go. No, it's gotta be a no exception rule. (laughs) Commercials are gonna be much harder to come back because I'll do four commercials with four different entities in a month. And there's no way they're going to be cross-pollinating with each If I'm tech scouting a yeah. week earlier, I'm also shooting something maybe that week with somebody else. I'm all for early. I mean, getting more into the TV world, I was, I, sometimes I'm tech scouting a month early. On commercials, I know it's a couple of days because you're like, got the job and we deliver. That's going to be a harder mm-hmm. route to do commercials. Yeah, can't. Commercially, you're cross-pollinating the job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm used to doing two jobs at the same time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And so that's going to be a much, much harder thing to implement. Yeah. Um, of course. They'll have the advantage of bringing in concepts that are easier to do in the circumstances, writing concepts that aren't like off the charts, like a hundred mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. extras needed. Sure. But mm-hmm. even in the most simplest concept, a family of four sitting around a breakfast table mm-hmm. cereal in someone's house, right? It still needs to get lit and dressed. And I don't see until there's a, a vaccine and we're all we're all vaccined up, the proximity of putting a crew of 80, 65, even, you know, 30, 30, eight right. uh, yeah. Gripple Electrics and five art department people together to get the set ready on a one-day shoot. Real locations are going to be extremely hard to, 
going to have to be on a set. It's going to have to be a controlled thing where each department comes in and does their mm -hmm. separate things. Like, this is the art department day. This is the lighting day. I'm not so sure. I work on a number of commercials that shoot, you know, in homes that are empty. I did an entire Casper campaign last year in a $12.5 million waterfront house that was completely empty. And it was a, you know, it was a breeze because we could bring in whatever we needed. Um, so bedroom furniture, can't, you know, that's sort of, you know, there aren't a whole ton of studio space in New England. You're treating the house like a studio, basically. It's an empty yeah. thing that you yeah. come in and dress. So, right. I mean, that's mm -hmm. pretty rare for a location and a commercial, I have to say. It's usually the cheap, small house we're squeezing into. <laughs> yeah. It's rare in Los Angeles. Yes, I totally agree with you. It It isn't that rare outside of the LA area, I don't think. Well, I, honestly, studio space was brutal before we even started this. Like studio yeah. space here was hardly gettable. So same yeah. in New York, it's like double booked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so like even thinking about, Jordan, to your point, we're not doing something big. It's a family of four living room or, you know, whatever. It still needs to be lit, still needs to be dressed. So does that now become one lighting day for your crew, one dress day for your crew? I think it does. I think my major thing, even going back to a new normal, normal sets, normal situations, I think the crew mm -hmm. are going to have to work and act differently. Separate departments that can do their separate work, like our department's dressing. We shouldn't be all our crew light, trying to light at the same time. Let them have their time. Also, when you're not working, not your department's not meandering around set. You have a designated area. This is your truck. This is your department. You go to there. Okay, we're ready for camera. Now we're in lighting mode. Should be ADs and electricians and grips only. Uh, I think a separation is going to be a sort of like control, like mm -hmm. controlling the environment. Yeah. Noel, how do you see this scheduling? Well, all I can think of is going back to 2008 yeah. and the economic downturn and yeah. what that did to budgets back then. And this is, uh, according to the New York Times the other day, 42 times worse than the 2008 downturn. So, cry. you know, in the short term, yeah, these agencies have a bunch of pent up money they're sitting on and they're chomping at the bit to get some stuff out there. But I think in the medium term, the budgets are going to get crushed. I mean, they use 2008 yeah. like a cudgel on, on budgets yeah. to beat them down to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, pretty extreme situations. So. I, I just think this is going to be much worse. So we're uh, everything we're talking about and all these working groups are talking about mm -hmm. yeah. are things that are expanding the budgets, basically. And I, I frankly don't think that money's right. going to be there. It's a bit of a catch-22. Do you, do you see another way of getting in to dress a place? No. I mean, you know, I'm looking at this crew list of a job shooting this morning, hungry man job that uh, somebody just sent me. And, you know, the entire crew, soup to nuts, is... 17 people wow so i don't know how they're shooting or where or whatever the yeah. circumstances yeah. are yeah. but i'm just mm -hmm. looking at you know the, the people What's the problem well i think that goes with the budgets as well um conceptually the 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 creative is going to start having to be more conducive to the environment and uh, that did happen in the recession as well. A lot of one-room type comedy stuff, you know. Uh, but our rates would never be the same from the 90s mm -hmm. to 2005. Uh, we'll never see that again. And that was the new normal. So this is going to be another new normal. We're all going to have to make life decisions. <laughs> Adjust. Yeah. <laughs> David. David, yeah. Have you had any thoughts about how to kind of schedule everyone so they're separated and safe? I haven't put a whole lot of thought into mm -hmm. it because I don't think we're close to going back yet. Mm -hmm. I do think that it'll be easier for some departments than others. I do think an art department could go in and dress a set and then maybe the sanitation department comes in and fogs that set and it takes 20 minutes and then set lighting and grip go in and they set their work. I don't know that we're close to those kinds of steps yet but you know i mean what we do necessitates a number of people being in the same place at the same time any deviation from that is going to not just it's going to expand the time it takes to do everything which yes. then goes to what everyone else is talking about which is budget you know if every time 
an actor needs to get touched up, you know, hair or costume. And that means that the actor needs to leave set or the, or a completely spacesuit clad makeup or hairstylist needs to come <laughs> onto the set and we need to sort of back away. It takes time. And, you know, certainly mm-hmm. time is usually what Money. our biggest yeah. issue is. I think clients are going to have to make an understanding. They're going to have to obviously write simpler things and mm-hmm. expect that that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be simpler to shoot because now again, we're all in the new normal. Right. Well, so part of why we're asking these questions are, these are the discussions that I'm already having with clients on how to do this. So I am explaining that, you know, what you could get, big round number, 200,000, what the amount of content that you could get for 200,000 before COVID is absolutely not the same as what you can now. There's no way we can do five 15 second spots in a day. We're going back to doing one or two and that that discussion needs to happen during concept versus when we get to set and they're upset that we're not providing them with what they used to be able to get for their money. What they're going to get for their money has yeah. gone way down and those expectations need to be set in advance. So having these discussions allow us to go back and say, well, you know, this is how we're lining out the days. That's why five days are needed on location versus one. When you think about it, there has to be a strike day, like instead of everybody throwing all this shit out at 50 hour 15, <laughs> which we've all, we've all I've done. been in discussions with a lot of client, very big client, very big production company heads and stuff where I'm on the silent Zoom situation. And listening to them, the, they seem okay with this and they understand that that's what's going to happen. And they're, they're more than willing to do anything to get things going again and have jobs but uh, my issue is how long does that contentness last in the client three months six months a couple years to where all of a sudden like we 2008 recession it started like that we're okay with it right until okay now you have a million dollars but you're still gonna pay the same and then somebody took a, oh, well, we heard this company is willing to do this. And then they try to bait you into. Yeah, that it's mm-hmm. a bidding wars against companies to see who can come up with the lowest price. And who can provide what you need. But then it becomes a, does your brand want to be the one who is known for their commercial getting everybody sick? Well, that's the big thing. It's, uh, for me, that what I'm hearing from studio heads and executives, it's, which brand is going to be the first one that to put themselves out there and then be tarnished for causing people to die? Do people care about the crew? I mean, that presupposes that America actually cares about the below the line crew. They care about the brand and the, the pushback that you get from now with social media and everything, it can explode. Like if Netflix tries to push something out and people get COVID and people die and, it's going to be a big blemish on them. I mean, yeah. I don't know any brands, commercial brands especially, that would really risk their brand for a new commercial. I mean, unless you're like, you can't put out this old commercial. We need a new one. You're like, you don't. And it's only been a, it's only been a few months, and it's a could hurt your brand more. I'm not with either side of that. I'm just saying that that's going to be the dilemma. Who's going to be the first to do this? I mean, so with regards to, you know, the way budget shrank in 2008 and unknown what's going to happen during this time, rates are obviously a question. Rates have been stagnant for a while. And there's a concern that people are going to be willing to lower their rate to get whatever scraps of jobs are out there. But then there's also people talking about hazard pay. So, Jordan, what do you think? Would you be looking, if a job was to happen before a vaccine, would you be looking for some sort of bump in your rate for hazard pay? Or would you be willing to just take whatever jobs are out there and and negotiate a little more on your rate? Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be looking for a a hazard pay situation. I think my rate as a DP has always been negotiable. It's in lower budget TV, it gets to be a union scale thing, but my rate has always been negotiable. And you know, I think just in the past few years, it's it started to go up back to my early 2000s big DP rate on most of my commercial jobs. And 
a bounce back down is probably going to be normal and expected. And that's what we had mm-hmm. to do at the time. I don't see any issue with it if the budget reflects yeah. my rate. Right. So if they're coming out with small budgets where we want to do like a seven person crew or a 17 person thing and the rate is, you know, reasonable, then, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I do lower budget jobs all the time. It's always negotiable. No. Well, I'm, I'm a bit of an anomaly that I've worked, I work with the same people a lot or the same fairly small circle of people. Like I, it's, it's the one I don't negotiate my rate. Basically it's like, it's either, it's a yes or no question, you know, cause I'm, I'm able to hit the number. Yeah. I mean, which is always that the, my negotiating point is that like, you give me this much money, I'll hit the number and leave me and my cruise mm-hmm. rates alone. Cause I can still hit the number. And I, almost always do so which is why probably i work a lot <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i just want to add that it's more the my cruise rate is what i'd be more worried about yeah for sure me too there was a time when uh, also there was a tier zero yeah. an agreement and it was like you can be paid minimum wage minimum wage we were yeah. on a commercial where they they tried to do that where my guys rates were only like half of what they normally would be. And we all just stood up. My rate was normal because I'm a VP with an agent, yeah. but theirs wasn't. So I had to stand behind them. The production designer did. Everyone just said no. Oh, wow. Nice. I didn't think tier zero ever hit commercials. I didn't realize. I thought that was just a uh, feature thing. It was very oh. short lasted because- it was ridiculous. Our commu- yeah, our community would was just be yeah. like, and yeah. oh. So, uh, but they brought it up to something that was reasonable for the budget. We, we agreed to do it. David, what about you and rates? I know you're mostly in the TV commercial world, right? Uh, no, I bounce pretty evenly between features and commercials okay. and even occasionally some TV series work. Regarding my rates, I, you know, generally in features and TV, I work at scale, yeah. but my commercial rate is above scale. Yeah. For new clients, I'll generally work scale on commercials. Or if I have an existing client who's in a bind, I'll do jobs for scale. While it's not a wildly sliding scale for me yeah. in terms of my personal rate, I will not particularly cut my rate. Um, like Jordan, I do worry about the crews, about the PAs, and about the seconds. I generally don't tolerate really, really poorly paid production assistants. You know, the commercial PA rate nowadays is fairly decent, I think at least in terms of, you know, when I started at $68 a day. (laughs) But I'm not looking forward to cutting my rate, nor do I think I'll have to. I mean, I'm... And and hazard pay? Do you think that's a... If I needed hazard pay, I think I wouldn't be prepared to go back to work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I mean that in all seriousness. No, it makes sense. Hazard pay for us, at least, is reserved for things like continual flying while you're shooting or mm. underwater shooting, yep. you know, car stunts, you know, well, yeah. we don't get hazard yeah. pay when we're on the back of an insert car, nor should we, it's our responsibility with the insert car driver to make sure it's safe. Mm. So I wouldn't go into an environment where I would expect hazard pay. If I was expecting hazard pay, I would also be expecting the producers to not be giving a crap about the sanitary yeah, 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 environment. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Especially when the hazard is suffocating alone in a in a hospital bed, like that's in the a, hazard yeah. you're talking death. about. So it's your ha- like, your what, what are we death. even what are we yeah. even talking about? <laughs> I agree. Totally. Totally. Okay. So I well first I should say thank you all yeah. so much for joining yeah, us we've today. Got a little but over I do have, time, so we, mm-hmm. we appreciate you chatting with us. Thank you for staying. But I, I do have one question and we're gonna take it a little personal right now. So Jordan, what do you miss? What do I miss? Mm-hmm. I miss the camaraderie with humans. <laughs> David laughing, the camaraderie with, with the humans. Um, but no, just about my crew that I worked with for so long is um, is a family to me, and we still talk. And I miss you know showing up to be with your friends and right. create and make art and and. Um, Satisfaction. Yeah. Well, as freelance people, we have a unique ability to work with the people we like. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so we all basically work with friends. Well, I mean, not, not, not always, every time, not every job. <laughs> but I can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you that most jobs have a friend on them. So and then, Noel, what do you miss? Yeah, I, I, same. I, I love my crew. And uh, I mean, it's sort of a, a revolving cast of characters, but it's still, you know, they're people that I that I really enjoy. I also miss eating out at restaurants. <laughs> dive bar, <laughs> dive bar drinking. I mean, every night, like I would be yeah, in a yeah. pinball joint. I feel like I that's where I always run into you, Noel, is somewhere at some nice restaurant. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Dave, David, what about you? <laughs> I miss the cruise. Also, one of the things that we do here in Rhode Island is that we have a Thursday coffee group. So we have started doing a, a Zoom call. And, you know, they're usually between oh. 10 and 20 of us on it. Groups Electrics make a pair, script supervisors, a mm-hmm. couple of producers. I'm also fortunate that I live near some of the crew that I work with. And so we, including this morning, some of us sometimes will take a two-mile walk, you know, socially mm-hmm. distanced. Mm-hmm. And without even thinking about it, I got out in the middle of the street and held the cars for them. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I miss lockup. Yeah, you miss lockup. (laughs) As a lockup PA in New York City um, 20 years ago, I do not miss it. (laughs) I mean, it was very lightly trafficked, but it was just really funny. Instinct kicked in, yeah. And you were losing (laughs) life. Burnaby, like guys. Magical. All right. Thanks to all the gentlemen who made it today on our crew safety roundtable. Some interesting takeaways there. I think safety classes were brought up yet again. And a unified safety class for us to all be on the same page. I mean, that, you know, it's so simple, but genius comment from Noel. All this information needs to be unified. You know, we got inundated three weeks ago with everybody's plan how to shoot safely. Yeah. And I think the only way to unify, again, is to have it come from either the film commission entity or the state. Yeah, absolutely. It just has to because the way that we've received information about the entire pandemic has been piecemeal. So to have a unified document that says what we should do and this is the rules of follow only allows for every set to be the same across the board as it should be. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to everyone. And if you guys want to be on a crew safety roundtable, reach out to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Hey, Lawrence, this show is edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Putia. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and please keep on staying at home. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean that disgusting phone of yours. And if you do go outside, wear a mask. I know a lot of people have felt pretty invincible now that it's been sunny outside. So just keep doing it for the protection of them. It may not protect you, but it will protect somebody else. Send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, if somebody just has to get a hold of you, how can they? LawrenceTLewis.com or VoiceOfLawrence.com. Christian, what about you? Well, Lawrence, I can be reached at SisterChristianProduces.com. Thanks, everybody. Happy Monday. Bye. <laughs>